You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when well, you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To He's up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! And welcome to Hardwood Radio. Good day, good night. Ben, it's quite a hot day. Hopefully you're keeping yourself cool today. Oh, I am. Um, I'm at work right now and I am uh, have AC and everything is fine. Knowing you, I know you're always cool. That's something different. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Catch my attention. There's a lot of news over the last few weeks, but mm-hmm. I have a new favorite player. It takes a lot of skills to be able to be fouled out in a summer league game when you have 10 fouls. And Thonmaker, my man, he's my new favorite player. <laughs> well, here's the thing about summer league, right? A lot of people are watching summer league the way, the same way they're watching uh, the NBA. Uh, this is not it. Summer league is a weird, very uh, short-lived audition uh, for the following NBA season, that is somewhere between the college level and D League. It's not quite D League because not all the players in the summer league are going to play in the D League next year, but it's almost there. And people like Tom Maker are bound to make a lot of noise, both for fouling out in the summer league game. By the way, he's the third. Uh, he was the third uh, player in history to achieve such a feat. Uh, <laughs> oh, he wasn't the first. Oh. Fortunately for him, the other two turned out to be quite good. Turned out to be Andrew Bogut and Larry Sanders, who played for the Bucks also uh, before uh, retiring, uh, before before pulling a Ricky Williams retirement <laughs> and retiring in order to smoke a weed. <laughs> to, to enjoy life and to, uh, to smoke weed uh, and, and go catch Pokemons. Exactly, he was very, he was a very anxious guy, and he smoked weed to kill his anxiety. And after, basically, after uh, being suspended a couple times, he just called it quits. But regarding Tom Maker, um, he pulled up a lot of points in the summer league. He put up, I think, seventeen points, seventeen rebounds. And he put up another good performance yeah, that, too. That was a joke. He he did a triple double. So <laughs> the last the last double was the fouls. Yeah, but the ten fouls are a problem. They're a real problem. And like it's not summer league is not about helping your team. It's not about helping your team uh, by pulling up as many numbers as you can, although every player in summer league is what they try to do. It's about how can you help your team to win. And that is a much more uh, that is a much more uh, uh, abstract concept that not people are not used to watch summer league for for example take brandon ingram who just started playing for the los angeles lakers he had a horrible start to summer league but i think he's shooting for 20 percent or something like that but what's interesting about brandon ingram is that he he stops shooting he passes the ball he tries to do other things on the floor while uh D'Angelo Russell is filling the is filling the buckets uh, for him. So that's I thought that was a nice a nice thing to see from a young guy like Brendan Ingram in summer league. Like he he can slip into a role, he can accept his role. 
Uh, another big standout this year in summer league is Ben Simmons. He, I don't know if you saw his games. Uh, no, I didn't see his games per se, but uh, he's uh, one of the well number one draft pick. He looked amazing. He racked up a lot of points. He racked up like almost triple double. I think almost a quadruple double once. He had like eight, seven, six, and eight, something like that. But he can't shoot, and he won't shoot. That's the worst. Like they played the Lakers, and Lakers second round draft pick Ivica Zubac like sagged out of him deliberately. I think he would. He was at the elbow. He sagged out, and he dared him to shoot. He was like, please shoot Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons passed them all. <laughs> so this, combined with the Sixers' not so reluctant, uh, not so uh, shiny record in summer league, is going to be a problem next year. Like if <laughs> well, if Ben Simmons doesn't take charge of the offense, uh, if Joel Embiid is still injured, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> you mentioned Joel Embiid. Will we see him this year? That's the question. Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I heard that before, Ben. I know, I know, but like. <laughs> Apparently, he's healthy. There's some videos online of him uh, doing scrimmage. So, uh, it's been two years now. His foot should be okay. And the 76ers are under competent management this time? Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and the word, the word out is that he's a better player than Ben Simmons, that he's a better player than... Uh, that he's probably the best center in the NBA waiting to be. So maybe he's going to be the savior of the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers. But what I've seen from Ben Simmons in the Summer League, it's going to help them. It's not going to save them. Now, let's talk about one of the biggest news over the last yes. few years. A giant, a fundamentally great player, pun intended, has mm-hmm. taken his retirement. Yes, my man, Tim Duncan, has walked into the sunset. And this is an emotional moment for me because, uh, you know, when I loved to hate Kobe Bryant for all these years, him and his souped-up Lakers uh, winning championships over over grassroots uh, uh, teams full of guys they drafted their own selves. But Kobe sucked for like three years before retiring and had an entire farewell tour season. So I, 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 I could get used to not seeing Kobe anymore. Like I, I made peace with the idea before his final game. And you had time to get uh, tired of seeing him talk about his retirement when he was oh, tired. Oh, yeah. yeah, and like <laughs> having his stupid farewell tour and like chucking 30 shots a game. I, I, I 60 was points? <laughs> I, I was ready for it to be over. Uh, 50, 60 points and 50 shots. Like that, 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 that was thing. insane. But Tim Duncan was a player I learned to love with the years. Like... Tim Duncan uh, was drafted in 1997 when I was still in high school, playing basketball in high school. And no high school basketball player likes Tim Duncan because he's not spectacular. He doesn't dunk. He doesn't showboat. He's actually actively against uh, any idea of showboating in a game. But, you know, he mastered the game of basketball. And, you know, as you grow older, you realize you're not invincible and you appreciate people who work and people who figure things out. And uh, Tim Duncan figured everything there is to know about basketball from the angles, from the defense, the offense, from the, to the leadership. He built a perfect, uh, a perfect uh, workman-like team for the NBA. Everybody plays uh, uh, with each other and he's as much 
a uh, forefather of the new NBA we're seeing that emphasizes teamwork as Mike D'Antoni, who introduced the small ball in, in the last decade. That's as much Tim Duncan's doing as, uh, as anybody else. So he left a huge legacy and he will leave a huge hole uh, in NBA fans' heart and especially in San Antonio Spurs fans' heart. What? I don't know if you've seen the um, the interview uh, Greg Popovich gave, it, gave after uh, Tim's retirement. No, I, I didn't see it, Perseno. He he was it's on the Spurs Facebook page if you want to okay. go see it. He has tears in his eyes when he talks about Tim. Wow. When he talks about uh, the promise he made to Tim's dad, like that that never let basketball change his son, and like his eyes his eyes welled up with tears. And he was like, I think I held my part of the bargain. Wow. I think he's that, the same guy uh, today than he was back then. That's so, deep. That, that's actually deep because we talk about athletes, about money, about ego, mm-hmm. about everything. But uh, there is something to say about somebody that's himself and continued to keep himself throughout the highs and lows of a professional sports career. Oh, yeah. And, like, Tim Duncan has been bullied around by the, by professional living uh, a, a lot. Like, he was – he suffered a nasty divorce a couple of years ago. He lost the, basket, the, the, the NBA Finals in the midst of his nasty divorce. Um, he got he got uh, criticized uh, from uh, from uh, A to B to Z from the first to the last day of his career. Not that he was not uh, a proper uh, player for his era, that he should have played in the 60s or something. But you know, at the end of the day, Tim Duncan has five championships, and he had a lot to play. Uh, he had a lot, a big part to play in all of these championships. Like I don't. Pay- Like back before Tim Duncan was drafted, mm-hmm. the Spurs had no championship, zero. Yeah. Uh, Greg Popovich was an assistant in uh, that couldn't quite cut it in uh, Golden State. So that tells you what kind of impact he had on everybody. Let's not uh, forget as well, when he came into uh, the Spurs, it was the Robinson team. It was a mm-hmm. Tim Robinson's team. And eventually now it's going to become, well, it is Tony Parker's team. And he was a transition between those two stars, but maybe his legacy would have been maybe the best ever player man that uh, was in the Spurs uh, history, probably. Well, the, the, everybody's, what everybody's saying, I agree with, he's the best power forward to ever play the game. Even if Greg Popovich says he's not a power forward, he's a center, If I had the starting five with every best player to play the game at each position, I would put Tim, Tim Duncan at power forward because he's such a complete, a versatile player uh, and uh, he doesn't always need the ball to be efficient. And he was always efficient too. Up until the very end, he maximized anything he could do on a basketball court. No, it's very, very interesting. But uh, so farewell, Tim. Uh, enjoy your retirement. You deserved it well. You always played hard. Always were a class act. And this, in today's world, it's not always the case. Oh no! And I hope, I hope he's going to uh, stay with the Spurs to become a coach or to become a GM or anything. I would love to still have him in the portrait. First ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, of course. Yeah, of Easy. course. Huh? Easily. Yeah, you're like 100%. Uh... I, I would admit him next year. I wouldn't even wait the five mandatory years. Oh, I would admit Gretzky, him next okay. year. You pull the Gretzky. That's how we call it. <laughs> pull the Gretzky. I, I would pull up a Gretzky. Like he is that Jordan. kind of player. Yeah, pull the Jordan. Exactly. It's a he. There's no. There's no player 
retired right now that is that are more deserving of Hall of Fame than him. Speaking of Hall of Fame careers, you know, when we talked about last week about free agency signing and we didn't expect that he might be one of the biggest names over the last 15 years in the league would change address and do like a lot of people are doing, either Golden State or Chicago. Dwayne Wade has signed with the Chicago Bulls. Yes, um, there's a lot of backstory to this signing because it took a lot of people by surprise, but it was years in the making. First of all, what you need to know is that Dwayne Wade is a kid from Chicago. Um, he's He was a fan of the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, like, and he grew up to be one of the best shooting guards that ever been in basketball, inspired by Michael Jordan. So it was always a possibility that he would end up his career in Chicago, but I didn't think it would happen. Now, the reason why he left the Heat is that since LeBron signed with the Heat in uh, 2010, Dwayne Wade has always taken pay cuts in order to make it happen, taking less money in order to uh, be able to compete with uh, uh, alongside the biggest possible stars. And it paid off. Like, it gave him two championships uh and selling his uh, uh, like like sealing his legacy as one of the greatest players to play the game. But what the story didn't tell us is that apparently Pat Riley told him he would get back pay and that he would uh, he would pay him all the the millions he sacrificed all these years in order to play with LeBron and Chris Bosh so uh, that he could be compensated. Uh, but doing this, paying for past performance is a huge mistake, right? And, yes, of course, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what the Lakers did with Kobe Bryant, and that's what they were miserable for two years. So Pat Riley bit the bullet and just let uh, Dwayne Wade get angry, make a circus, he let him walk. And now Dwayne Wade is in Chicago, which is really weird because they have now Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, and Jimmy Butler on the perimeter, three pieces that do not fit together whatsoever. That was going to be my next question, Ben. It's weird because you have three of those players that are similar skill set. How are they going to coexist? Who is going to play out of position? Who is going to have to adjust their style of play to fit the other two? Well, Rajon Rondo is, if his head is right, is the most natural fit there because he's a distributor. Like, he's going to pass... Uh, the ball uh, to both guys and get them both their shot and keep them happy. So that I have no uh, have no problems with. But Dwayne Wade also needs the ball to score. He also he is also a main ball handler. And Jimmy Butler was the main ball handler last year. So how is it going to work exactly? Not all these guys are going to accept to play off the ball. Are going to accept to make some sacrifices. It's kind of incongruous. I think the Bulls have to move a piece, at least, uh, and that piece is probably going to be Jimmy Butler. But I can't see it being very successful. I can't see uh, head coach Fred Hoiberg dealing with a lot of disgruntled stars in the uh, locker room next uh, next fall. Now, when we're looking at the other big signing in the free agency since the last show, we have Tyler Johnson with the Heat, Alan Crabby with Portland, and uh, their offer sheets were matched. What can you tell us about that when an offer sheet is matched? How detrimental is it for the future of that club? Because it's basically an hostile 
a contract proposed by another team and then they have to match that offer if you want to keep them. But in theory, it could jeopardize their salary cap or their roster for the years to come. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, the Nets offered uh, $12 million a year to Tyler Johnson, which is an excellent worth for the contract. By the way, I love Tyler Johnson. And $18.5 million, $18. million a year for Alan Krabby, which is way, way overpaying him. Uh, and the, the goal of the Nets here was to have um, the Heat... Uh, signing uh, Dwayne Wade and letting Tyler Johnson go because they would have their starting shooting guard. So they could use the young, athletic, and really, really sneaky smart uh, Tyler Johnson on their team. It was brilliant. But Dwayne Wade went and Pat Riley did what he had to do. He he matched the offer sheet. Now, $12 million is a lot of money. I don't think it's going to matter in the long run. I think that as the cap is going to go up, it's going to be a crazy good value. And that Tyler Johnson is going to uh, is going to get good service services to uh, to his team. But Alan Krabby, he plays on the bench. He's a bench player. He's a sixth man. I love Portland. I love that they aggressively went after um, free agents. They got Festus Izzili from uh, Golden State. They got Evan Turner from Boston. They wrapped up a lot of money in this, but they they, they gave eighteen point five millions to Alan Krabby. That is going to be a huge problem in the salary cap eventually because it's not going to be an easy contract to move. Tyler Johnson at $12 million, you're going to have a list of suitors for to have him because he's a very uh, productive and uh, flexible player. Like He can play – he's very versatile. He can play a lot, uh, two positions. He, uh, he can play on or off the ball. Alan Krabby is a shooter. Like He's a shooter that plays on the bench. $18.5 million, that's a lot of money. You know, it is a lot of money, and it's uh, well. We talked about last week how these salaries have really went through the roof for the last year, and that's because well, last week, and that's because of the TV contracts mixed with other teams wanting the same players, which raised the stakes. Now, looking at actual uh, other signings, I have you mentioned Festus is Lee Portland, Brennan Jennings, and the Knicks. Where does Ray Allen fit? Where does Ray Allen? Where is he going? Is one of the big name left on the market? Where do you think Ray Allen is going to end up? Well, Ray Allen hasn't played in two years, right? So this is a big question mark because if he's coming back, he's going to come, to want to come back for a ring. Uh, so there's really two places, Cleveland or Golden State. And I don't know if it's sank in yet for you, but imagine Ray Allen in Golden State along with Steph Curry. Uh, okay, so you just shoot three all day, all night. You just shoot uh, three and you make them all. And yeah, and it's the best three-point shooting team that ever was, uh, with like the two best three-point shooter that ever was, one of the ten best, and there's Kevin Durant, who's maybe going to evolve into a crazy three-point <laughs> three-point three shooting <laughs> maniac because Kevin Durant is seven foot tall, you know, if a, uh, a seven foot tall guy shooting threes in the state system. Nobody's gonna stop him. Nobody can stop that shot. It comes from eight feet high when you're seven foot. You know what I mean? So if Ray Allen decides to go to Cleveland. Now it's going to be interesting because he's going to be with his friend LeBron James. Ooh. He's going to be an intangible uh, perimeter player. He's going to help uh, Cleveland in order to uh, make uh, a better case against Golden State. But they're still not as good as Golden State with Ray Allen in their lineup. What, 
What's going to be interesting, though, is I think that LeBron is entering his, like, I call that his 96 to 98 Jordan years. <laughs> when, the so, comeback? The comeback after baseball? Exactly, like like the second three-peat years. So maybe he's going to dominate the court, Kevin Durant or not. I don't think he will, but maybe. Uh, and maybe it's going to be enough to give the Cavaliers a second title. Yeah, maybe. But uh, Ray Allen should be a nice addition wherever he goes. But if he, if he comes back, I think he goes to Golden State. And I have to do the mandatory Ray Allen jerk. Uh, you know what? Wherever he ends up, we all know that he got, he got game. Oh, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> he got gay. Remember that movie? Anyway. Shuttle's word. Uh, that was something else. All right. Now, um, the free agent left. We have J.R. Smith, Mr. No Shirt, Dion yep. Winters, Lance Stephenson, others. Which one would you sign? Which of the free agents that are left that we haven't talked about would you sign, Ben, to your team? Uh there's uh, the Jar- Jar- <laughs> by the way i had i'd put jared Sollinger on this list he just signed to toronto for one oh, year yep it's the uh, only signing that toronto did make a not a big name but somebody that they feel could have maybe the potential to complete what they had that it couldn't finish last year but uh toronto wanted to get ibaka and once yeah. that didn't happen they didn't really do any crazy spending or crazy attempt to get a player uh masaya jiri was actually really conservative this year uh, he was. I don't think he, he was overly in love with the um, with the free agent class, but his entire tenure in uh, Toronto was very conservative. Like he doesn't like to make a splash. He does if he doesn't have to make one. Like he signed uh, Demar Derozan to a gigantic contract. Uh, he got uh, Jared Sullinger because Sullinger wanted out of Boston because doesn't didn't want to play uh, behind Al Orford. So, um, I don't know. Between these three uh, shooting guards, either Stevenson, J.R. Smith, or uh, or Deion Waiters, I don't know which one I'd take. Probably J.R. Smith because he has now he now has championship acumen and he seems to be the less, uh, the less problematic of all these three headaches. All these three guys are, are, have, are known to cause huge headaches to their respective teams. But um, J.R. Smith found a way to work out alongside LeBron James. So I'd probably go with J.R., but no way I'm giving him a long-term contract. I think that the Cavaliers are going to sign him again for $5 million or something. But he, he, over, he overdid his uh, whole party act. And I don't think he's never going yeah. to cash in into, in this new uh, NBA salary cap uh, thing. Yeah, no, exactly. That's going to be exactly the boat left already. The money has been spent, and there's probably not left enough for him. So <laughs> maybe in Sacramento, but when, and then again, we never know what Sacramento is going to do. But I have to say, I did order that uh, J.R. Smith no shirt T-shirt, so I'm going to wear that proudly and feel no. like I have tattoos. No, I'm kidding. You need to put that on our Facebook page. <laughs> that would be awesome. Let's finish today's show, Ben, by talking about. Of course, the prospect of the week for the 2017 draft, our third of the year, a player that probably has a name meant to play this game, Lorenzo, uh, Lonzo Ball. Yes, sir. Lonzo Ball is part of a family uh, of basketball players. <laughs> well, he's uh, part of the family of Ball, but there's a family of ball players. What's, what is really weird and interesting about them is that they, are, they have signed uh to make a reality show about their basketball career. I think that's going to supposed to air on MTV. Uh, there's Alonzo, who's going to go to UCLA first. 
There's another one in the middle, which I don't, I don't remember his name. And there's the kid brother, Lamello, who, Lamello Ball, who's supposed to be the prodigy of the family. Uh, each, each brother has committed to UCLA, and it's all part of their whole uh, uh, ball, the Ball family uh, playing in uh, Orange County. So, but Lonzo Ball is a serious uh, NBA talent. He's, he plays point guard. He's going to play point guard for UCLA. And it's been a long time since we didn't have a athletic free, a talented slash athletic freak point guard in the draft. The last one was in 2010, was John Wall, who became one of the best uh, point guards in the NBA. He's my point guard in 2K, by the way. When I play NBA 2K, ah, I take John Wall all the time. Nice. And uh, he has like that John Wall slash Russell Westbrook uh, athleticism. Um, he he was always a bit lackadaisical on... Uh, on the um, on the court, he's always relied on the fact that he physically dominated his opponent. So I'm really curious to see him against athletes of his own acumen, like how he's going to react to athletes that are as good as him. And we're going to find out this year in UCLA, but he is the top uh, rookie appointment guard in a class that is absolutely loaded. We're going to see in the following weeks there's De'Aaron Fox, there's Frank Jackson in the Duke, uh, there's Malik Monk. There's a lot of great, gifted, athletic guards in this draft. But apparently, Alonzo Ball is the name we should be looking for. And with a name like this, it's to be sure that we'll never forget him. Uh, I, well, unless... Unless he's unless a bust. He, yes, unless he's a bust. But otherwise, otherwise he's going to be... Uh, is going to make uh, have a long career in the NBA as an all-star or as a weird freak show we're going to see in the uh, on social media every day. To finish the show, let's just go to this angle of this story. You know, the Lonzo Ball, you mentioned the UCLA, the glitz and lights of MTV, LA glamour-style celebrity life. Mm-hmm. They're going to live in college and all that. They're going to become bigger stars than any other uh, and it's the players just because they're going to be on TV. What's your thought about this idea? Because let's face it, that mixed with their name, mixed with uh, the history of that family, they're going to become stars, they're going to become cult heroes, they're going to become personalities. Is there a danger that this overshadows their player career? Um, that's a good question. Maybe the show is going to suck and it's going to get canceled after Maybe it's going to be like keeping up with the balls and two weeks after it's going to be canceled. But uh, that's a good question. Like My main fear is that the NCAA is going to get involved and it's going to uh, declare them ineligible because they received, the family has received money. But it, they did not receive money for basketball purposes. So and there's a gray line. Uh, there's a gray line that's not completely clear to me like if that has been crossed or not um i don't think i think it's something that's very contemporary i think that it's something the world is turning to to transform everybody into uh into uh famous people these these kids are californian uh they're they're used to the 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 glitz and glamour and the star the stardom i think they're going to be just fine All right, Ben, thanks a lot for joining us once again for Hardwood Radio. And uh, keep cool, everybody listening to this right now. If it's hot where you are, we always have a fridge. Open the door, stay in front of it for a few minutes. You should be fine. And until (laughs) next time, have a great basketball. Yes. You 
You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.